Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, everyone, to Lucha World Podcast, episode number 79. I'm your host, Alfredo Esparza. I'm not alone this week. Usually, Kurt's on here, but he's on assignment. I think he's doing uh, that other podcast, the 605 podcast, that he's so um, popular. He's gaining so much popularity from that, and somehow it's adding more followers to the long, long dead Slam and Stand podcast for some reason. Uh, but this week, we have a special guest. First time ever on the Lucha World podcast from LuchaBlog.com, the Cubs fan. How are you doing, Cubs? Good. I can't believe it took you 79 episodes to invite me on here. I'm almost yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we, we when we started doing our Lucha World podcast, we would switch back and forth between doing it over the phone. We're, we're technically horrible with Skype. So basically, we uh, we would do it over TalkShoe. So I think the early episodes, we I think we only had like Dr. Lucha on once, and then we gave up on phone calls and just went to um, an audio recorder. But yeah, we're we're back to doing everything, you know, a recorder, a phone, everything. We're going to try it, try to get more callers, more guests, more callers, you know, maybe do a call-in show at one point, at some point. But, you know, for this week, I wanted to have you on because actually I wanted you to talk about the big weekend feud the big weekend um, uh, matchup between Jack Swagger and Alberto. That was really what I want to talk to you about on uh, when I contacted you on last week. But apparently something bigger happened on early Friday that took us by surprise. Now, when you first heard about it, was it from that tweet that uh, Pearl Libre sent us? No, someone had DM'd me with the link with the video. And oh, I had seen it. And I was like, I don't want any part of this. I hope. I wonder if it's going to become a big story, but I'm not. I don't want to be the one who talks about this. And then everyone <laughs> talked about it. And it was fine. Yeah, I I I know when Pearl Lieber sent it, uh, he didn't send a link, so I was like, I guess I got to look for it on Facebook. But you know, that was pretty. All you had to type in was Alvarado family, and sure enough, you found a video, basically cell phone quality. Really bad video. I mean, there were a few people who thought it was like old because you couldn't really tell Maximo Sexy's um, tattoo on the on the video. Uh, what basically what's shown in this video is um, the entire well, a portion of the Alvarado family, maybe maybe the entire family for all we know, um, showed up and they're shown in this video destroying Ultimo Girl's car, happened to be a blue Mustang, which um, actually I think. What show was this on, um, his Mustang? Because I remember it being on the En Busca de Unidolo, um show. Was that? It was on another one, too, right? Um, I don't remember if it was on another show, but that sounds right. Yeah, because I remember it was the one that where he was running over uh, Tony Salazar, right? Yes. Yeah, that's in <laughs> Yeah, so we basically get this uh, video. What we see is uh, an unmasked psycho clown Destroy, going like going at 
this car, the back end of the car, basically you see the front, the front portion of the car that's pretty much um, the hood's already picked up. Um, you see a, the, car, the car doors are open. Um, you see, um, I think it's Brazo de Platino just like smashing it with his hands, uh, grabbing whatever he could get just to hit, at the, hit the car. Then they start taking out the headlights. Um, Maximo, Sexy, and La Mascara are standing on, on the, like a couple feet away from it during the, for about a minute of the video. And maybe like the final 10, 15 seconds, you see Maximo walk towards the video, um, the car. Uh, and then the, the video ends. Uh, so basically, we were all kind of confused because the first thing I think everybody was asking online was if this was a shoot or a work. Because uh, it's pro wrestling, and I think everybody assumes, assumes that. But I think, I think what I think I was really curious about was when it initially, uh, when this happened, because, you know, it's, there's a lot of stories about the Alvarell family being very temperamental. Um, did you think it was actually happening on that? It happened on Friday. You know, I wasn't sure at first. I know, um, I, I know Ultimo had that car for a while, but I think, I, I think Rob had mentioned that he saw that car when he was there. If you when he was in Mexico last, so I knew okay. it couldn't be that old. But I wasn't sure. I mean, it, it seemed like the footage was so without any context that it could have been from a couple months ago it could have been from that day it just wasn't clear at first yeah and, and you know the, the the weird thing is like people were pointing out how the the Alvarado family didn't really work with um you know they weren't usually booked in Ultimo Girls matches because of the whole Garo Laguneros breakup and all that or you know whatever was has been going on during the last couple of weeks but you know I don't think I really put two and two together about this um whole issue going on um what was the initial uh, like? Was there any like story? What was the initial story to like what happened? Uh, was were were there people actually saying that there was like something else beyond the what later we found out was a union issue that the Alvarado family had with Ultimo Girl? Was there anything else going on? Like were they saying anything else other than it being people confused whether it was a work? No, I, I don't think there was really no idea what was supposed to be going on until that union story came out. And it was even, took a while for that union story to come out to make it clear. I think everyone was just kind of confused about why that would be happening. Yeah. I, I, tell, tell everybody about the whole union, uh, the involvement, why this all happened, like the reason for it happening with the union and all that. Well, Brazo de Oro was in charge of the CML union for about 20 years until his death. And the union is apparently in charge of... Um, deciding who gets to work in CML to some degree and so that they have some sort of power about um, about about allowing people, different people in, about um, some bit of promoting small shows themselves that Brazo de Oro did, that they collect dues from everyone in the union so they have some money coming in. It's not always clear where that, that money was going. Um, so when he passed away, the rest of the Alvarado family assumed that they would keep control of the union because they'd basically run it like a, like it was a family business themselves. And they wanted to keep that business. They felt they kind of owned the union. So that would be, that's kind of their property and they should keep on having it even after Brazo they were passed away. But it, it sounds like Paco Alonso, who's um, technically has the right to decide who's in charge of the union. So it's not like a normal union where the wrestlers would be controlling themselves that Paco Alonso had decided that Ultimo Guerrero would instead be in charge of the union. And the 
the Alvarado family was upset about that, upset about whatever Ultimo Guerrero had said about how he was, how Brother de Oro had run the union when he was in charge and decided to take that out on um, Ultimo Guerrero's completely innocent blue Mustang. <laughs> the poor Mustang. I mean, and, and we've seen, if you go on Ultimo Guerrero's Facebook page, he actually posts videos of him in his Mustang, like taking his kids to, um, like for Mother's Day, he had a he had a video with his with his daughters in in the car, and I thought, man, this poor guy. I mean, and he all, I mean, you know, if he has a Mustang, it's got to be something. You know, he's got to be very attached to that car. Um, I'm curious. I, it's just it just seems like I, I would assume that they. Pro, I'm pretty sure they assumed that nobody was going to film this. Uh, but don't you think there would have been a better way of them like re, like responding to um, Ultimo Guerrero being off um, given the the union leadership? Don't you think they could have like done something like maybe like I mean there's supposedly an election maybe they could have gone to the wrestlers and maybe maybe gotten them to change their votes or or something else? I mean because it it just seems like it just seems like something that came out of like came out of the Blue Demon TV series really. I mean if you would have told me this was from the Blue Demon TV series, I would have believed that more than it happening in reality. Uh, but don't you think they could have done something a little more differently than doing than just destroying his car? Yeah, you know, it sounds like it was weird because um, even though they didn't know it was it was it was being taped, as far as we can tell, it, they didn't actually seem that concerned if anyone saw them. So that was one weird thing because I think if you were trying to do something sneaky to send a message, you would have tried to do something that was a little bit more hidden. But it, it also seemed like it was an escalation to a point that probably. Doesn't make sense that it got to that fast. That there should have been either you know within the rules or um, some sort of fighting to get that control, or for uh, or for even like smaller gestures before breaking someone's car. Yeah. It, it's it, it's some um, either the what the people associated with AAA are hinting at that there's more going on and there was more back and forth leading to this, and this is like the. the they, the Alvarados have been pushed really far, or that the Alvarados just have a, a a quick trigger and went way overboard for something that probably doesn't didn't deserve that big of a response. Yeah, and, and you know the other thing was um, on in the video what you really see the person you see most like doing the damage is really Psycho Clown and um and you know the I think it was Brazo de Platino which you know they're not really in CML so in a weird way maybe like I think I think once you get the entire thing like. Apparently, like a couple of like the next day, we heard stories about um, CML having security footage, or because it it, it kind of seemed like they have to have had more more like beyond the minute or the ninety seconds of the video because in the video you don't see La Mascara and Maximo doing anything. But as as Rob and you pointed out, um, that parking lot is pretty much it's there's security right there, isn't there? Yeah, there's. There's a security guy who's opening and closing the sliding gate there. There that okay. could, that probably should have seen or heard something, even if they were on the other side of the wall at that moment. So, and and, and again, they didn't seem like they didn't seem like they were in a rush to get done. They were hanging around there long enough that someone probably should have wandered by and or heard what was going on. And it's strange that 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 didn't happen. Yeah, and you know the the, the way um, like Psycho Clown and Maximo have really reacted, it doesn't seem like they really cared about you know being seen or anything. They they're still very happy go lucky. La Mascara has disappeared off the internet basically right now. Um, so basically yeah. on on Saturday we got the the next 
the next big news, because uh, everybody was wondering what was going to happen to La Mastra and Maximo Sexy. Obviously, before that, Ultimo Guerrero mentioned on his Facebook page, he posted the, the links to the Super Lucha stories. Uh, he, he was asked if he was going to file charges by a fan, and he mentioned he would. We still don't know about that, and there's been a few people who have said that there's really no point in him filing charges with criminal charges because it's Mexico, and, you know, crime there really doesn't – it never gets resolved, anything of that nature. But um, the next day uh, – I think the next day Ernesto uh, Ocampo was the one that mentioned La Mosca and Maximo Sexy had been fired. Um, you heard about this around the same time, didn't you? I, I, I had heard uh, – so the person – who, actually, the same person who sent me the video had told me that they had been let go, but I could not find out. They, they let, let me know early that morning, so I know that story had been going around, but I couldn't find someone else who would tell me for sure that was the case. But it's not, But it seemed like it was heading that way based on what had happened the, night, the day before. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think we all kind of figured something like that would happen just because of how the, the, the whole um, – how CML's roster is built – where you have a lot of guys who came in through Ultimo Guerrero, through the, you know, Ultimo Guerrero and Blue Panther, the Lagunero guys. And, you know, a lot of those guys are very tight. So you figured there was going to be something that I kind of figured CML probably had to do, had to react a little quicker than usual because of that possibility of a retaliation where they didn't really want to be part of it. You know, I don't think they wanted anything to happen within their buildings or their parking lots or anywhere near their arenas. Um, so basically, uh, I guess at that point, right after that, we start getting Vampiro and all these other guys saying that, uh, the story was basically blown out of proportion or not told correctly by, um, you know, they basically directly mentioned, uh, Vampiro directly mentioned, um, Dave Meltzer and other people kind of throw it at the, the media, uh, or, uh, Redes Sociales social media. So um, so I think that was basically what it was like for about the weekend. Um, Maximo got asked about the story. He basically was very, um, you know, you know, he was very jokish about it, didn't really want to comment to it. Um, he showed up and um, he wrestled in Chicago. Did you show up? Did you end up going to that show? No, I watched it. They were doing a Facebook stream, so I watched it on there, but I didn't end up being there myself. Yeah. Because you could have got the 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 interview. I, I could have, but I, I I usually don't get great access on that show. And <laughs> Maximo had already made some joke about how he didn't know anything was going what people were talking about. So yeah. I assumed that he just wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, and the, and you know it's it, it, it and, and and as he said, um, he didn't he made a joke about he he didn't realize the CML offices were open on um on weekends which is another one of those ongoing jokes about the female office, their office hours really being within a four hours during the weekend, weekdays and really nothing much beyond that. Uh, so on Monday, CMLL sends out a press release where they announce Nitro as the interim union leader. Uh, at the same time, they announced that La Mascara, Maximo Sexy, and Bobby Villa had been fired from the promotion. Now, we knew Maximo Sexy. There was something up with him because he wasn't. He was pulled off the the Friday show. Now Bobby Villa, uh, when did he get pulled off the Friday show? That's what I I'm totally confused with. When did he get pulled off that show? 
he never they never officially announced anything. He just the crowd just showed up in the space. And you know, with CML, people miss shows. With it's not like there's people missing on every show, but there's people missing a fair bit that if someone gets replaced, you usually just don't think anything of it. Yeah, and that's what I thought when I saw Sagrado and Bobby Beals. And they're, oh, they they just you know it's like those random trios of Cranio uh, with Russian Pierrot. You know, basically that's kind of like what it felt like. Um, so basically, they, they fired them. Uh, did you think that was a little? Was that was the reaction early or just or a right timing more or less? I think it was the right timing because I think you couldn't bring them back, and that I think they knew the situation was bad enough that that they weren't going to want to stick around either. So it was better to, for CML's own benefit, to to break with those two guys, Will Master and Maclos particularly, um, before just so you could say that you did something to to appease the people who were left. Uh, did, do, do you know more or less what happened with Bobby Dia, or you still haven't heard anything about that? I have not heard anything. It's, it's the biggest mystery. Yeah, because... Uh, I, I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I just, I mean, I would have expected that someone would have wanted to tell the story because it's like, it's the thing that everyone wants to know, but no one seems to know. Yeah, because I know when somebody, a couple of people asked me if he was involved, and I said, well, you know, no, it could be, he could be involved, but noting, no, knowing CMLL, maybe they're so like, you know, maybe they figured they're doing a press release, might as well just announce everyone they got rid of all at once, you know, as Bobby Villa, we later found out the the Mas Lucha um, guys tried to interview. Um, they actually got a hold of Bobby Villa, and but he didn't. He declined an interview, but he did um, talk to um, Jose Manuel, and he basically told them that um, he did not know why he was fired, and he planned to talk with um, CMLL at some point. I don't know what's going to come of that. I'm guessing he's pretty much done. I mean, he's pretty much fired from the promotion. Um, because La Mastra and Maximo Sex, I know Maximo Sex here earlier today made a joke about being in Arena Mexico, but he he was in Arena Coliseo or something like I think that's what he was geo that was the location he was that was given on his Facebook page. Um, do you do you think their next step in their careers? Well, assuming there's no criminal charges, do you expect all three or two of them or one of them? In AAA, or where, where do you expect them to go, like, next? I, I expect they're showing up in AAA as soon as they're able to. I mean, the reaction from Vampiro and from Arturo Rivera and from Leo Riano has been, like, defending them like they were already part of AAA, and this was a AAA versus CML issue, so they were going to have their guys back. I, I just think that with the way that AAA really wants to bring in names anyways, that under any circumstances, they would have brought these guys in and that they haven't done anything with Psycho Clown and that the kind of defending these guys' actions means that they're probably active recruiting to come in. I think the, the only way they don't cover AAA is if they have some better offer from, like, WWE or someplace else. And I, I don't think that's a likelihood for either guy. Yeah, I, I know I know La Mosca has been mentioned, but it's weird. Like, he's been mentioned in WWE rumors, but I don't... It's like... It's not really like I don't know if they're legitimate WW rumors. Do you know what I mean? Like it kind of seems a little like he doesn't seem like he'd be a, a fit there. I, I don't no, know. No, it seems like uh, rumors that the people involved are starting to try to get themselves more leverage than something that's really going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You know them losing CMLL that 
pretty much eliminates their leverage with AAA. I mean, they basically have independence and um, and AAA as the as their leverage because I don't even know how they're uh, because doesn't doesn't CML hold their visas as well or something or or do or you do you assume they have their own work visas travel visas? I assume that? that they have their own and that they may be sneak, they may not be doing it completely work visa legal in the U.S. when they come in the U.S. That they may be doing it other ways, but. Yeah. Um, but I, I would assume that they that they take care of that stuff. They get to that stuff for themselves as it is. So, so you were you mentioned off air that you watch AAA TV, and you're probably one of the few people who actually keeps watching every week. Um, if La Mascara and Maximo Sexy do end up in AAA, how much better will the TV show be? It depends on how they use them. Even though La Mascara, especially, has is not really that good, not that good to Swansea and all. There's so many people who are just kind of like bad or just like way overexposed that may, that they those guys would still be improvement. It's just that the booking of the show is all over the place and that they're not really giving time for anyone to have good matches anyway. So I'm not sure if they'll help. Maybe they'll be good in the backstage acting segments, but I, I think AAA is such it's so weird right now that I'm not sure that adding anyone necessarily helps them. So, uh, so, so the, the, the other, the other, the other, um, well, I mean, really the, the, the other thing you look at within this, um, firing is how does it affect CMLL? Um, in the short term, do you think it's going to hurt them or how is this going to affect them? Like going forward? Cause I mean, Maximo, I mean, obviously these two guys were heavy, were, um, see Maximo sexy was the world heavyweight champion and La Mosca was the light heavyweight champion. So, we do know there's going to be a tournament, so this seems to be something that CML loves to do. So they're getting two tournaments, which is something that they could fill an entire show with. Uh, but how do you see their their departures and Bobby V as well? Um, how do you see their their departures affecting their um, CML Spam shows? I think it's going. I think it's going to hurt them, especially more in the short term, because they're going to have to find two guys to make important and just to find out what they're going to do with the Governor Alves, what they're going to do with Dragon Rojo's group, because they seem like they had something with Bobby Villa in that group that was much better than those three, those guys on their own. Yeah. And now they've lost the momentum. And the, I think in the longer term, I think the losing Maximo's team can be more of a problem, because even though Maximo's essentially been playing the same character now since 2004, but he's such an a character that gets over so easily to casual audiences that they don't have... They've really lost Super Porky in that same role as a guy who gets over pretty easily, too. That they don't have someone that they can easily just move up in that place. Um, yeah. I, I think that from... I, I think in the long term, they might be better because the sort of they give to that spot to so Lamasker might do better for it. Because Lamasker always seemed like a guy who was like as he wanted to inherit the union spot, he inherited the good spot on the cards because he was the son of the Brazos and he was always pushed higher than he really showed in the ring. He did fine sometimes, he did good sometimes, but maybe if they give someone else that opportunity, they'll make more of it than he ever did. Yeah, it, 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 I, I think for me, I'm at least just for me watching CML, I'm, I guess part of me is kind of glad to see the Ingobernables like I would love to see the Gobernables trio just like be disbanded and just keep Rush, 
because those matches are so bad. But at the same time, yeah. you know that's not going to happen because you're going to keep Pierrot's rush, and they're just going to find somebody else to fill in as the third member of the of the trio. So we're still going to get those same matches. Uh, with Maximo Sexy, uh, I do agree about the whole um, – he's probably the, he's one of the most over guys in the promotion. Uh, I do get tired of his uh, – I think I think casual fans enjoy him more than I would, just because, and that's when when people like listen to me and they tell they say how much I dislike him and stuff like that. It's not I don't dislike him. It's just I've been watching the same act, and when I when I was on watching every single Sam show, it's like you know you kind of get tired of it. But um, I do see that like how big a loss he is. At the same time, I kind of just want to, you know, Sam doesn't change. Like it very rarely changes unless it's like something that's forced upon them. And losing three guys is a pretty big. That's a pretty good, cha- a pretty big change for them, especially two um, two guys who are champions, and really main event guys. I, I I'm gonna miss Bobby Villa just because I really like the the Revolucionarios trio. I really thought they were probably the best trio in CML the last like the last month, month and a half. But maybe that's because they they were the only ones that were regularly teaming, and everybody else is kind of like all over the place. Uh, I yeah, because I I really think the best trio would probably end up being the Casas family. Uh, so, what do you think they'll do with the the titles? Do you think um, do you think they're just going to go with like the next in line guy, or go back with somebody from the past that held the belt, like Terrible or or Ultimo Girl? Actually, Ultimo Girl could probably win both either title or both. <laughs> you know, as, yeah. a, as a as a as pay for uh, payoff for losing his car. Yeah, but he's got the middleweight title, so they can't give for the stupid Universal Tournament. They can't give him multiple titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's else and, around and all. Yeah, it's coming so, up pretty soon, too. I would assume that... I'm guessing that Tribble ends up with the heavyweight title. I think it would be great if they gave Marco a run, just because I think um, they could. he would fit as champion, and he's like he's the most over-guide that doesn't really get much to do, so you don't really have to have him... If they're not big fans of Marco's singles matches for a reason, they don't really have to have defend the title that much, because they never really defend the title all that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, the light heavyweight one is more interesting to me because there's more guys who could fit with light heavyweight. I'm afraid that they're just going to like hand it to Rick Bucanero or somebody like that. But I, I, could, I would like to see... It'd be at least interesting if the payoff to all the Niebla de Roja stuff is that Niebla de Roja Tactico went to Seidel and defends it against like, the Grand Guerreros, the new warriors of the world. That that would be a great... I mean, considering he's getting pushed, and I think they're they're working the main event, I think, on one of the next week's shows, aren't they? Yeah, they're working yeah. on Monday, maybe. The shows run together. Yeah, yeah, because I saw I saw him and Angel de Oro were teaming up with uh, Mystico, so I, I kind of like that. The fact that they're kind of elevating Niebla Roja. The other the other thing I noticed since Brasso de Oro passed away, um, you're also seeing some guys who were around last year, like mid mid last year, they're kind of making their way back on CML shows on um, Templario, Yago. Even though they've been around every so often, but they are kind of they kind of seem to be showing up a little more often. Do you think that's that's one of the effects of Ultimo Guerrero kind of gaining more power? I think it might be, especially since Ultimo Guerrero was training some of those guys, and that they I think it probably was I would assume a point for frustration that guys that he was um, spending a lot of time developing and hoping that they would make the CML were not getting those opportunities, especially like Temporario would be show up as a trainee in some of the videos he was posted and he was went like six months without being booked. And like and he's no great guy, but neither are any of the other guys that <laughs> in the opener. It doesn't 
it doesn't seem like anybody but a Dinamita was getting a decent booking coming into the promotion. So I, I don't know if it's everything to do with Brazil Dior or something else going on, but I, I think it's at least a nice change that we get to see guys like Iago again. Yeah. You know, somebody asked me if Leona was going to get pushed with these guys leaving, and I thought, no. <laughs> he's, no. I think we could. I could. We, I think we could move. We could move away from Leono from now on. He's not getting. He's not getting any type of push. Um, so that's really been the big news in Lucha. Uh, Ultimo Girl. We still don't know. I think this is still going to be an ongoing story, just because we expect um, the La Mascara and Maximo texting Bobby Villa to show up somewhere. Uh, I'm guessing they'll end up in AAA. I would be shocked if they. Do you, do you think they would? Do you do you think there's any shot of them just going independent and working like full crash, and all those places, or is it AAA or bust really right now? I think AAA is going to make give them the best deal. I think they would also. The problem with going independent is that it might be a situation where CML guys are not allowed to work with them on shows, and that would limit the independent ones they can work. I mean, they could work the same random shows like the league guys are working too, but. I think they would just—they would be so valuable to AAA. I think that AAA is going to make them a deal that's going, that they're going to want to accept. Do you see anybody coming back to CMLL based off these guys' leading need since they need a headline? They need a main event type of. Maybe they think they need a main eventer, or do you think they'll just stick with the guys that they have? I think they—they're they're more likely just to stick with the guys they have because they're just kind of—they're not real. They never seem like to bring in those top guys and those top guys are in a lot more than their guys. You know, the, the, the thing that we were, I was talking about with a couple of other people was um, the the reaction to uh, when guys leave CMLL. Because, I mean, if you look at the n- number of talent that CML has lost in the last year, they've lost a lot of guys. I mean, Mascara, Dorada, uh, Ray Scorpion, now Maximo, La Mascara, Bobby Villa, Demos 316, all these guys are really good. So it's like, you know, between anywhere between good and really good, amazing. Uh, and C, and AAA has lost, I mean, Pentagon, uh, Phoenix, uh, Daga, all this other talent, Alberto, you name, uh, Ray Mysterio. But we kind of noticed that there's not, there's the, the reaction to the guys leaving in CML. It isn't the same as when AAA loses talent. Uh, do you, do you notice that also, or is it, or is it just, is it just because CML has so much more depth to them? I I think it's because CML has much more depth, and that they there wasn't the drama over different people leaving beforehand, building up to that moment. Where I mean, no one would have guessed a week ago that Maximo and Oscar were going to be fired from the promotion, but we had Alberto and Rey Mysterio seemingly not being completely happy there before they left, yeah. and this is this too. And then we had the whole situation where people were wanting more out, where Phoenix and Pentagon were obviously breaking out in every place but the home company and pressure being put on AAA to do something instead of those guys leaving. I think because of the suddenness of it, because there hasn't been, there's not just this big arc of building, AAA building all the way up and then having that disastrous triple mania falling back down. That just seems kind of like a blip of a couple things. And the, then like a, a whole, company falling apart yeah it it, it the, the the weirdness of the, the firing i can't recall like i was trying to think about this like the, the when they when they announced the firings i can't recall a time where there's been three guys who were fired for uh this type of situation like what they the incident they did they had uh 
I can't really like even in in um, in the U.S. and Japan, I can't think of a firing at of this level like two main event guys and a a, a pretty good mid card wrestler. Uh, I think the only time I could really think of was maybe Sean Waltman getting fired from uh, WCW, but and then him going the I think the following week he showed up in Raw or something and had that amazing um, you know he ripped WCW to shreds and you know that kind of turned around um, Raw. But I can't. Can you remember any other uh, firing like this? Was there a thing like in all Japan, like in the 2000s, where there was a oh, yeah, yeah. page over something? I don't know if those guys were as important to their promotion as Maximum and Oscar. I just don't know that promotion well enough. But that was that's the other thing. And I think there was a time where a whole stable of people walked out of Dragon Gate because they didn't like what was going on. But yeah, this yeah. Where, where where people got fired for doing something like this was kind of really unique in pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the All Japan one, but that that was that was more of a. This is just like guys actually like doing something ridiculously bad to get themselves fired. Uh, we we get we. I think we got asked a couple of times about this, and I I do want to bring it up because people kept asking us if we were ever going to talk about this. Uh, the Blue Demon TV series. How far did you get through the Blue Demon TV series? I got through that first set of you know whatever twenty episodes. But then when we did not know the show came back and we were back three episodes, it just piled up at that point. And I didn't want to watch any of the new episodes until I saw the first three, but tracking those down was impossible. And even when I could find them on YouTube, one of the, one of the things I found interesting about them like, being on TV is that if I mess around with my closed captioning enough, I could get closed captioning in the English while they talk in Spanish. Oh, so wow. I could kind of follow, around, follow the show a little bit more and kind of pick up on my Spanish a little bit. And that's not as easy when you, that's not something that YouTube's going to do for you. So it was just, and then I know when we were watching the show, I think you said the same thing. It's just a lot of show to watch when they're doing five shows a week. It's, yeah. It's yeah. a lot to keep up with. Yeah, it, it was, it, I mean, like when, when, uh, when the Lucha Talk guys would ask me if I was still watching, I was like, yeah, you know, I could watch one like a week or maybe like a weekend of like two episodes or something, but it's like, this is more of a binge-worthy type of show on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon where you don't, you know, it's difficult to, like, watch Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and it's like, and then you, you're you not really that, I wasn't really that into it just because it was so, like, over the top. You know, before this whole incident that the Alvarados did, I really thought it was over the top, but now after after what happened with the Alvarados, I, I don't, now I'm starting to think maybe this did happen to Blue Demon, but, um, but yeah, the the show, I, I I just I just couldn't get into it. It just it just seems so ridiculous half the time. Uh, did 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 you enjoy it while you were watching it, or did you just did, were you pretty much thinking the same thing? I was I was thinking pretty much the same thing. I was enjoying when they would go to an arena and they would pretend it's like El Paso or something, yeah. the IWRG arena. And I try and trying to figure out which of the stand-ins was actually an IWRG wrestler. Wrestling Unmasked, or whoever Hip Hop Man had recruited for that day, that was interesting. But the plot was just so it was it's it was so silly at times, and it was it's also just kind of weird where someone talk, trying to do like a real story about wrestling, and all the matches are c- completely real in that universe. That was kind of tough to take seriously. Yeah, you know when they start when the when the first episode includes a kid holding a gun at a gangster, you kind of know it's going to be a little. A little bit over yeah. the top, uh, but 
the one thing I I kind of wanted to keep watching it for was to see if they kept adding more characters, you know, the wrestler wrestling characters, because I know they had they ended up having like a Carvernario Galindo type of character, but I don't think it was Carvernario Galindo because it kind of seemed like I think they call him Carvernario, but it was some some weird um, looking character. He, he didn't look like Carvernario Galindo. Um, obviously, they had um, the Black Shadow character as Black Wind. How they came up with that name, I, how long it, it took them to come up with that name, I'll never know. Um, is this show still on? It, I checked on Wikipedia, and it looks like they're finishing up the third part of the season. It, they were doing it still five days a week, but I guess the numbers must have dropped off to change it just to hearing them Saturday. So oh, it's stretching okay. out long enough, that's, that's the last few episodes. But remember the first episode, we saw the towel match with Blue Demon and Ala Dorada. And yeah. they're just now getting to actually show it to the lead up to that match. Oh, really? So that's wow. like the first episode, and that's the last episode. And everything else is just something, a flashback in between. Yeah, you know, it's, I, think, I think it's a show that I would really, like, I, do you, would you watch it if it was on Netflix? Uh, if I, yeah, if I had Netflix and I could watch it at least partly in English or captioned in English, yeah. I probably would, would, uh, would go through it, but I would not. I wouldn't, I'd be watching one episode every so often. I wouldn't be watching five episodes in a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's a little too much. I mean, it's a telenovela. I mean, it's, it wasn't that great. Uh, the other show that we, I think it, it probably, I think it ended around the same time that the, the season, um, uh, the first season of Blue Demon TV series ended. Um, Lucha Underground returns to our Ray Network on May 31st. How excited are you that it's coming back? I am not, I'm excited, though not as excited as I thought it would be, just because it's it's been so long that I have to refresh my mind about what happened, and it just feels like the series itself is in a weird place with um, people quitting and the whole staff for next season being unsure even even though all these episodes are completed, and I know that at least they're telling a complete story for this season, it just the it, the future seems much more uncertain than it was last when, back in January. I think once we get to watch your episodes and they have been matches, hopefully I'll get back into it. But I am not as excited as I thought I was going to be at this point. Has has your interest in it declined like from season to season, or is it pretty much? Because I think the first and second, two, the first two seasons were really great, and the third season has kind of been a little more um, hit or miss with depending on the episode and the storyline. Has, has it has your has your interest kind of declined a little bit, or is it about the same? I think it's about the same, but it's because I'm in the weird position that I saw those last episodes of the season now oh. almost a year ago, so I know where we're going, and I'm kind of interested in finding out how we get there. But I can see for someone. But if you're just watching it from week to week, especially times where either it has no really strong direction of where they're going, no obvious direction, or the direction is to a sexy sort of title reign, I can see why people have kind of lost interest a bit in, into it. So, so uh, what's the? How much of it do you remember from the the first half of the third season? How much do you remember? Oh. I remember I was writing my notes today because I'm going to write a like a refresher post, hopefully sometime this week, because I know a lot of people don't, don't remember. And there's stuff that I could get off the top of my head, like the stuff that happened with the title and the stuff that happened with Matanza. But figuring out where we left, like the Katrina storyline with Ivelisse's boyfriend, whose name I can't even totally remember. 
I, I have to go through my recaps and take a look and find out what was going on at that point. There was some stuff that I thought had happened that had not happened. But it's just kind of all a blur. I, I was hoping that Lucha Underground themselves would do more to like remind people of where we're at and try to get people hyped. But it seems like they're just hoping that people come aboard by themselves. Isn't like the first episode of the the all night long match? Yeah, it's the Iron Man match with the Mac and Johnny Mundo, which I guess on some level makes an easy way to return because you only have one storyline to keep track of, yeah. and maybe you'll get the rest of it later on. But it, it's also a lot. It's asking a lot for people to come back in and get invested for a full hour on the show when they haven't seen it in months. Yeah, and it's the Mac also, so. He's not. He wasn't that. Like I know he got. He got a little more of a, a a push for the last this past season. But it's. I think when you think of all the other guys, there's a lot more people that were interested in the lucha guys and maybe like um, you know like Macias and uh, Mil Muertes. You know I can't even keep up with the guys' names nowadays, with the with all the AAA stuff and how how many names these guys have. Um, do do uh, what can we expect? from the second half of the season. Since you were there for a few uh, of the tapings, and you were, I think you were the one that told me that, because I was confused with some of the stuff, and you told me that the taping, some of the stuff wasn't taped in order. Um, so what can we expect? Is there going to be, is it going to be a lot, is it going to be a lot, do you think it's going to be a lot better than the first half, or or it's going to be, a, you're not really sure based on how it was taped? I, I think it's going to be better. I think a lot of people, I think there's, there's more of a, in some ways, a traditional wrestling show aspect to the matches where um, they're doing things that you might find on other shows. I, I don't want to give stuff away, but mm-hmm. I, I think that that the that there's a couple things coming up that people will be more interested to, and they'll have some more direct build instead of trying to do storylines or doing it heavy on backstage stuff, setting up matches. I think there'll be matches, more setting up matches. And I think the Ultimo Lucha was really good, as good as the first, um, the, the one at the end of the first season, and I think also feels more like the one at the end of the first season where things were actually resolved and pushed over to the next season. So I think it will, I think people will get into it by the end if they stick with it. I think just getting people back into it might be yeah. the tough part. You think that's going to be the, the the difficult part, then coming back, because what is it, five months that they've been off air now? It's yeah, it was January 11th was the last episode, so yeah. it's four wow. months. But I mean, it's it's gonna. I think it's gonna take like two or three episodes before a lot of people even realize that they're back. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the whole Netflix deal. I, I don't think they've mentioned Netflix ever since they got on there. So it's no, and I, I think if you have Netflix, I don't think I think there's a lot of people on Netflix who watch two seasons and may even really liked it, but have no idea that the show's on our or that they could go buy the rest of the episodes on iTunes, and they're just going to be, you know, maybe periodically checking in that book to see if the season three gets released while that may be a long way off. Yeah. The other thing I was surprised, like, when I talk to people who, like, they tell me they watch Lucha Underground, um, they tell me, I, I'll ask them, do you have El Rey Network? And they're like, no, I don't have El Rey Network. And I'm like, wow, I guess this 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 network isn't very big, which is a little concerning because, you know, it takes a while for them to put stuff up on Netflix or I think Amazon does put Amazon Prime and iTunes is like immediately. So that, but you know, well, I they haven't had the Amazon, they haven't had the Amazon during the season. So I hope it is immediately, but I guess we're going to find out next Thursday if they actually have that episode up. Yeah. Cause I mean, at least giving them that option, although I don't know if I would want to pay 
you know, the amount, I think it's, what is it, $1.99 or something like that, 99 cents? I think it might be two ninety nine or something like that, or like $40 for the whole season. So, yeah, that is pretty pricey. I mean, it, it, it kind of may make more sense than if you didn't have cable and you're better than getting Sling TV or whatever to just watch it. But I, that that is asking a lot compared to what other things cost. Yeah, I gotta save my three dollars for the anniversary show, you know. So, uh, that's, yeah, that's the that's the that's where I have to decide where to use my three dollars. So, I guess we can go from Lucha Underground. Considering this is actually more of a, a question because AAA in the last couple of months added um, Vampiro and Krista Joseph, you know, to handling more of the backstage, uh, the booking. A lot of that they're they're more involved in, in not just AAA but Lucha Underground. But do you notice like a difference between Vampiro and DeJoseph, not just in AAA but in Lucha Underground, the direction they're going with as far as talent goes to what Lucha Underground used previously and AAA used previously? Because I think when Conan was uh, was involved, we were getting a lot of guys like maybe guys didn't sign with those promotions, but we were getting a lot of names of guys that. We're kind of like the indie darlings, and now we're kind of getting like these, um, like Kevin Cross, um, Dalton Bragg for Lucha Underground. I think I think for AAA, but I think Lucha Underground also has Kevin Cross, right? Yeah, he signed in the worst dark matches, and no one's ever sure if he debuts. Yeah, so, but he is a Lucha Underground guy. And I should mention someone in, at the Cauliflower Alley Club made 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 it known that um, he had seen Kevin Cross wrestle a few times and kind of gave me a little bit of a, like his thoughts on him. Uh, but like I told him, I don't think we're going to get that Kevin Cross in AAA or Lucha Underground. But uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, what they're doing, like the difference between uh, what it was in the past compared to now? Because I think the other problem that they're kind of facing is that they kind of lost a lot of that talent that Conan brought in. They lost pretty much everyone. Like half the half the roster that was that, that left was brought in by Conan. Um have you noticed, the, uh, like, what are your thoughts on just what they've been able to do with the roster that they have and who they've added so far? I think some of it is coming from having Vampiro and um, and Joseph in charge. I think Pete Cross, had, Cross specifically for the team was Lucha Underground. I think Vampiro sees when Dalton Bragg tells his story about um, being a guy who moved to the from the U.S., moved from an English-speaking country north of Mexico to Mexico and is um, try, struggling, trying to make it make a break in Lucha Libre. He sees his own story there and wants to help yeah. that guy out. But I think it also it's more that AAA just doesn't have the finances or or doesn't want to spend the finances to bring the people in that they were bringing before. I think they probably could still have like a Johnny Mundo coming in more regularly if they could afford it or wanted to pay for it. But instead, that we're seeing him once every like five or six TV tapings or just on the big shows. I think they probably could still have... I think we're getting Cross doing the same thing Brian Cage was doing because Cross is probably coming in at a cheaper price than Brian Cage was coming in. I think yeah. that's the same. We're seeing Killshot instead of um, Prince Puma because Killshot's probably a little bit cheaper and, a lot of, and Marty's a little cheaper than getting those guys in. And they're not bad guys, but I think there's a money aspect more to what's going on right now. Yeah, so you think they can they can afford La Mascara and Maximo and Bobby Zavala? I, I think they 
I think they will talk themselves into believing that Lamasco and Maxima will pay for themselves over the long term if they whatever they're paying that they'll end up drawing more than that, especially in, in the buzz. But I think that's going to be the biggest sticking point is that, or they'll do what they've done with other people is that they'll promise to pay them a lot and then maybe we'll, things just won't work out that way. Yeah, we'll have the we'll we'll be dealing with the same story in about two years about these guys disgruntled in AAA. Um, yeah, yeah. So so do do you um. You mentioned you watched the TV show. Uh, what do you, do you like or dislike the unpredictable nature of the shows now? Because they basically send out a lineup. They fill out their Lucha posters, and they have the lineup on there. And as soon as the show starts, everything changes. I think the last show they had, every, I think everything but one match had, uh, had changed. Um, I know uh, Cibernetico noticed Lump, his, his compadre La Parca was working, uh, I think, the opener of the second match. And he was very disappointed in that to see that. Um, do you like that or do you dislike that? Uh, you know, I didn't like it last year when it was that year between really Conan taking over and Vampiro taking over where no one seemed to be in charge and that they were doing nothing but really almost a female-style presentation where they had matches but they didn't have any vignettes and that they would, they would just do very little between every major show. But I also, this seems like they've gone like, far in the other direction, but they've gone up so far that it's a show that doesn't often have many good matches. I mean, the Ayako tire match from a couple of weeks ago, from, from a couple of weeks ago was pretty good, and they had that 10-man tag that was fun, but there's a lot of really short um, WBE-style matches that just to set up an angle to do something, and it, they're trying to do so many angles that none of the angles are really getting meaning that much, and that it doesn't really feel like, and it feels like a lot of the angles are just angles to get people involved, but they're not really going going anywhere or building any good matches. I, I like the idea that the TV has some life to it, but I, I just don't think that they're being very effective in what they're doing. And, and I th- uh, I, I'm concerned that long-term that all these lineup changes, when they know what the actual lineup is and they just do not want to advertise it, it's going to... Um, going to hurt them in the long run because they're going to cause fans to not want to come back next year when those same, when they go to the same places and they don't, they don't get the matches they talked about. I mean, I just saw today the advertisement for the, the first advertisement for the taping they're doing June 3rd in Publa, and they're advertising the Psycho Clown versus Dr. Wagner singles match, and they've advertised that like four times and done it one of those times. And I think fans do pick up on those things, and it's going to make it a tougher sell for them next time they come through. Yeah, it's 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 weird. Um, what are your thoughts on the whole La Llave a la Gloria um, tryout contest that they're doing? Um, do you think um, ha- has anybody looked good for uh, like anybody sh- like shined that you've seen from not just the tryouts, but I think they've had a couple of matches where um, I think he was the Kingo and a couple of the other guys have made um, television. Um, I think Dalton Bragg was from that too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. For whatever reason, that session they did not show the 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 tryout vignettes. They showed on TV. They showed on TV for their ones, but that one only aired on the Zona Ruler show. And they had a big Dalton Bragg interview too, which was really helped introducing them to fans since no one knows who this guy is. Yeah, I but, heard they call. I heard they call him Brandon on the last show. Yeah, they 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 called him the, and they called him like the guy from NASA that we saw in NASA. But they really they need to do some. They, I don't think people immediately remember the guy they saw for like two minutes four weeks ago, so that wasn't a great shot. But I think it's 
it's a noble effort to find some guys who are going to be good in the undercard and help them in some ways. I think um, obviously Astrolux was the guy who stood out in the first day in the first one they did. They've had some decent people from the others up, and um, what helped them was their death. But it, there's no one showing up who immediately looks like a star that they can push at the top level, and that's really where where they need their help. This is going to get them more guys who can work their openers, but what they really need to be focusing on doing is making um, guys, you know, the guys who are working the openers or working the big cards feel like top guys right now. And instead, it feels like so much is thrown into Psychophon Dr. Wagner that once that match happens, there's no real, there's not going to be a really obvious match for next year's Triple Mania. So they'll have a year to build, but they're just a lot of guys who, they they don't have an obvious match to go to, and they're going to have to build, they're going to have a big drop off when the um, effect from that match um, goes away. You're, you're, you have as little faith in AAA's main event scene as Cibernético, who laughed about the Poder del Norte as main eventers. Well, whoever's booking these shows uh, laughs about them too, but they just said on this week's TV, Murder Clown just tossed them along like they were nothing. They got a little. They did a little bit to Fabi, but then Fabi beat them up too. It's they. Yeah. I mean, the idea is that they are a top group, but they're they're still dressed in the same gear that they were wearing when they were opening match. Guys would get on TV once every two months, and that yeah. they're really everyone in the matches still treats them the same way. So it's not really helping them at all. Yeah. So, so uh, how excited are you about Verano de Scandalo? Uh, not very that much. I mean. <laughs> The, the lineup they have is just like a group of matches that are, I guess will be maybe okay, maybe one will surprise will be good, but uh, there's no way with knowing if those matches are actually going to happen. And I mean, the, the last statement we had from Vampiro where AAA said, yeah, we're going to do a here versus a, and a mass loss on this show, and Vampiro says, no, we're going to do some mass losses. Then I mean, obviously, they're just, who knows what the card will end up being. So, I mean, it's the TV hasn't helped at all with hype. The TV seems like the TV builds on itself and doesn't really care about the major events. This TV that's that from this past Saturday still does not ma- ma- mention the um, the six-way mass match, much less the Mamba Pimpinella match, which does not really exist in the show at all. Um, it's it, I'm sure they'll get around to announcing it eventually, but they're really doing no help to the people in the war is trying to promote the show because it's just it's a show that they're not. They're doing no more than listing a date for at this point. Yeah, I think the only thing I kind of enjoy that I kind of started following a little bit. Um, well, I follow it obviously, but it's from like the 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 few that I'm kind of interested in seeing how if they continue it is on um, Tejano Junior Hijo El Fantasma, just because I think they could have good matches. But I always worry that they're just going to throw in some other random guy, you know, Johnny Mundo in the mix. Although he hasn't been around, but it's it the I don't know, like I. I did did you really were you really um all these people who got upset over calling that um the main event for Verano Scandalo a fraud cuz Psycho Clown and Dr. Wagner Jr were in the match i think it was because they were putting their mask on the line also uh it really kind of i think that kind of t- i kind of i think that little like comment kind of tells you the difference between the the thinking of um Mexican lucha fans to american fans where i think all of us kind of knew more or less you know there's no sh- there's no chance Psycho Clown and Dr. Wagner Jr. are going to drop their mask. They're obviously going to be the ones winning. But um, how 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 weird was that? Like, I just don't – I just didn't really understand why, why everybody got worked up about them. I don't see it as a fraud. I just see it as another match, really. 
I, I see it as like and making that match. It, it, I see them as like booking a match in a way that people people will have a hard time taking it seriously because it's so obvious that um, that's going to be one of the other four guys losing, and you're kind of just. I mean, there's always been cage matches like this, or, yeah. other, or other multi-band matches where there's people in the match where you know El Hijo Del Santo is not going to lose his mask in this random cage match. Mystico is not going to lose his when they do 11 people in the cage on an anniversary show. He's not going to be the guy who loses his mask. Yeah. He's going to be somebody else. But it's still, it, it's so an underwhelming thing because the other four guys are so not even at their level that they kind of. If they just put those four guys on alone, no one would really care about this match. And adding those two guys in the way where you know that they're not going to be involved anyways just kind of makes for a lame match for something that's supposed to be a big show. I mean, in some way, I'm sure whoever gets the payoff is going to be happy to get the payoff, but they, they're they not going to draw any more fans than if they just did a 30-way tag or a trios match in that spot. It seems like a stipulation match to do a stipulation match, that's not really going to help anyone. Yeah, I, I think, and and you know, I think we've already forgotten about the whole Pimpinella Mamba hair match. I don't even know why they had had, had that. I think that might have been the first match they announced for that show too, because I think Albert sent us that poster, and that was like the main event, like three or four months ago, probably. If I if I yeah, yeah. I, yeah, and that might make more sense. They the last few shows in Wars, they've had Mamba and Pimpinella all doubled up, but it's just weird that they're doing that match without you know mentioning it on TV or almost at all. Yeah, I wonder what happens to these guys if Maximo shows up. They're done. I think they don't have a problem having a lot of exoticos, but um, that kind of devalues Pimpinella a little bit. Now that you have somebody else who's a little bit of a you know younger and better at this mo- at this stage in, in their careers. Yeah, and it seems like and oh, honestly, and this is this is probably harsh, but if Maximo came aboard, it meant they switched back the long-term view from Mamba versus Pimpinella to Mamba versus Maximo, it'd be so much better off for the promotion because Pimpinella's been not good and really bad kind of for the last few years. And you see in this last year, they've just, they've hidden her. So she's barely working at all and she's only working a small part. I mean... And the sad thing is that she was really good at one point too. Yeah, and this is like where people are going to remember her from the bad part of her career instead of the early portion. I think... I would not have even really surprised me if Mamba beat Pimpinella as a way to finally write off Pimpinella and then Maximo takes over. But it's also going to be interesting because Maximo's really never been... CMO is protecting Maximo's gimmick by never having another Zanatico in there for a long time. They had the one... The Machado came up as a rookie for a few matches but really didn't get, get established there. Yeah. And I wonder if Maximo playing his gimmick with other people is going to make it harder for him to get over that gimmick or if it's or feuding with mom is gonna let him um is going to cause him to do different things. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna feud with Mamba. <laughs> yeah. Although, yeah, I guess Mamba's a little bit low on the cards. Yeah. So Although, maybe the maybe Mamba won't be able to do things that he he's been doing. Well you know, I'm not gonna lie, I kinda want him to feud with Mamba just so Cybernetico can watch so like see the lineup and he could rip <laughs> rip you know, rip them to shreds again just to make fun. Because, I don't know, if, have you heard Cibernetico's interview on Mas Lucha? Not yet. Yeah, it's amazing. It's pretty great. Uh, yeah, he just he was pretty uh, he was pretty hard on, on AAA and Vampiro and everyone. Uh, I guess we should get to CML just because, I, I, really, the only news out of CML is how, how everybody else 
is booking CML talent, bringing them in, and CML is kind of doing the same thing. But really the one, I guess, other than the girls' um, breakup, um, the other big thing is um, Soberano Jr. kind of finally getting a, a bit of a push now. Uh, do you think now that these two guys have the, the group of guys that have left, do you see him, like maybe him getting a little higher on the card? Because, you know, getting rid of Maximo kind of – at least there's a pretty big technical spot left there. And we don't even know what's going to happen with Dragon Lee because he's going to be he's going to be traveling a lot this year. Um, do you think Sobrano Jr. is going to get a, a pretty good push? I, I think in the long term he will. I think if you look back, it seems like every few years they get behind some new young technical, whether it be Dragon Lee or Titan before him, and that Sobrano sets that part. I think in the short term it might be Miyabo Roja getting that extra attention because it's going to move over the technical side anyways, and they can focus more on him. But I think since I don't know. I think we're all concerned or hopeful or whatever that Dragon Lee may not be around in CML itself yeah. for many years. And I think setting up Soberano as his long-term replacement is going to eventually move him to the top of the cards, and I think it's going to work out okay for CML. Well, you know, that's the other thing. Like, we, we were talking about how the, the, the talent that's left the promotions, how, you know, Pentagon and all these guys leave uh, AAA, and they're replacing them with Poder del Norte and you know, uh, Argenis, even though he's the Lucha Talk favorite, Argenis, uh, a couple of other guys that are, aren't really that great. But then CMLL loses these guys, and you kind of have like Nebo Roja, Sobrano Jr., the Dina, Junior Dinamitas. I mean, there's a lot of talent there. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the girls' breakup? Do you think it – did you like it? Did you like the, the, the event, the timing of it? Because usually the, the CMLL breakups take a little bit longer. It kind of seems, to me, it kind of seems, like, I thought it was great just because they, they got rid of, like, they did it sooner rather than later. But was it, did it, did you think it was odd that it happened on the day that um, all this issue with um, Ultimo Girl and the Alvarados happened? Or was it just something that you thought was going to happen sooner? I, I I think it just kind of worked out that they have not been. I, I was one who was, quick, who was more tired of it quicker than everyone else. Um, and, you know, does take forever returns, but I kind of wish that they would speed up at times so that they, they got their idea over a lot quicker than they gave people credit for. But I was happy to finally see it happen, and I think it's going to, at least, I'm not fully positive that Neil Boro is going to be great as a technical because he really was not that great as Angel Plata. But mm. I give them credit for trying something new and seeing if they can come up with something with it. Do you think that's in the mix for the? Do you think Ultimo Girl versus Niebla Roja is in the mix for the anniversary, or no shot? It's such a weird match to do, but they have they're setting up nothing else in particular at this point, and yeah. you know they still have plenty of time. I feel like Lomasco or Dragon Lee really got started later, just because Dragon Lee was in and out at this point. But yeah. it seems like just because there's no other options, that maybe they do something like that, or maybe we do like drag it, we do. Angel de, Angel de Oro and Diablo Roja versus Gran Guerrero and Euphoria is like a double mass mass or something. But yeah. it's, it's, it's the lean candidate just because there's not really that many candidates that they're pushing at this moment. Yeah, so at the moment, Dragon Lee and Volador Jr. are in Japan for Death of Super Juniors. Uh, Volador Jr., I think he's already lost two or three matches, hasn't he? He's lost two, so if he loses one more, he's done. Yeah, and Dragon Lee is actually like... He's actually beaten the really good guys in his block and lost to probably the worst 
guy in the block, Intachi. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you think Dragon Lead's going to end up winning this, or do you see um, someone else kind of winning it towards I, the end? I, I think that he's going to. I think this is probably his high water mark. I think that that they balance everything out so that so that people stay close near the end. I think by getting all these wins, he'll probably pick up at least one more. But I think that he'll probably not beat Osprey on this next match just because they need Osprey to keep up with him and make it an interesting last night. I think I, I think he will finish like runner-up or tie for runner-up or something like that in this block. Still do pretty well because they're setting him up for a battle shot, but I don't think he's going to get the win this one. And I think Mulder is probably going to come back a little bit too, but I'm not sure he's going to do as well. And it's kind of if he doesn't do as well, it's kind of weird they sent him not to do well. To, since he's the guy who headlines the Fantastic Mania Tour every year, I think you would only want to use him if he's going to be pretty protected on these shows, but they seem to have gone a different way. Yeah. Have you watched any of the matches or just kind of not just the first the first show? I watched the first show and the second show, and then I started on the third show, but I just haven't had time to keep on watching. I really want to see the Ricochet Dragon Elite match Where, and some you? of the other stuff. You couldn't watch it because you were watching um, IWRG's Ray the Ring, right? So I have not. That's on the the, the stuff to get watched file. <laughs> that, that may take a little longer to get to, but that's a pretty long watch. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to 25 minutes, and uh, Veneno was doing like a, a karate chop, and I thought, I, I, I thought, you know, I could watch something else instead of this. I don't know why I picked that because it's an hour and a half, and I thought, man, why did I pick this? Like, there's so many other. I think within that, I think I watched 25 minutes. I probably could have watched the NDA matches at, w- during that time and probably enjoyed them. I don't know if I would have enjoyed Rush versus Masada, but um, the other news from CML is really uh, they're basically getting a lot of uh, they're getting work out not just not just with New Japan, but Ring of Honor is going to get them. Um, they're going to be working in the U.S. in the U.K. Uh, Terrible and Ultima Girl are going to be in Ring of Honor in June and. In the UK, I think it's um, Ultima Girl, Ray Bucanero, Atlantis, and Mystico. Uh, you kind of mentioned something like you were confused by that um, by that list for the UK tour. Um, what did you think of that? Yeah, it just seems like I don't know if Ring of Honor is letting CML pick the guys and CML is picking people that they like to send on vacations, but it seems like New Japan has a much better idea of who's going to fit well with the promotion they're offering than Ring of Honor. Uh, you. I, I can see sending some Rudo, some, maybe some guys who are going to play off other people, yeah. but I would expect that you have sent uh, Titan or Ford or someone in that high flyer, in the UK group and to just have a more exciting match or to have a more logical partner. I think Atlantis will get treated well, but I don't think Atlantis is a guy that most Ring of Honor fans are going to want to see at this point. And I think it's equally... It's nice to see that Terrible gets a chance to go to Ring of Honor for the shows in June, but he's a guy who I think is not immediately going to um, get over with that audience. And I think it, it, I think there's a wrong but um, strong feeling among U.S. fans, the kind of fans that are following Ring of Honor, that CML is all about high flyers and people doing yeah. big spots, but the, the guys that they bring in aren't going to live up to that expectation. Yeah, I'm really surprised Terrible is going just because I never expected him ever to be in Ring of Honor. Uh, well, and then you know it's a different Ring of Honor now also because I always pictured it as some a place that you know they were gonna like. My my thought of American promoters is that they're gonna go for the like you said the flashier guys, 
or a big name. And I like Terrible is a big name, but I don't really view him like I kind of view him as a guy who like a hardcore, a diehard wrestling fan would appreciate. Whereas like a diehard Lucha fan more than anything, really. And I don't even think Terrible even gets booked in the U.S. that much. I mean, I, I don't see him listed that, uh, that often. Um, the other the other um, the other group that's also bringing in um, CML guys is um, the Powerbomb TV breaking breaking the barrier show. They're bringing in Girl Maya Junior, Triton, Puma, and Tiger. Although I don't know what Triton um, what's going on with Triton? Is he still in CML? Is he he seems to be all over the place right now? Yeah, it seems like I don't know what the exact details are, but it seems like there's something happening where he's not going to be located in Chicago anymore. So I don't know if that means that he's coming back to Mexico or if he's doing something else. But he, uh, I would say he's probably questionable for that show and they may look for somebody else. Oh, another replacement for that. I think that's the, the second replacement. Although, you know, really, I, if you have Puma, Tiger, and Girl, Maya Jr. who are pretty reliable, I mean, you could, yeah. add, you could add somebody anybody else. Uh, the, other th- the other news, I know you've kind of mentioned it a lot, um, we're kind of seeing a lot of the 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 bigger U.S. promotions, WWE, Impact, Ring of Honor, who that we talked about. Um, they're they've been using a lot of luchadors. Uh, what are your thoughts on how? Uh, the, do you notice are they pretty much using them the same? Uh, WWE NXT using Grand Metallic, Andrade Cien Almas, uh, Impact using Alberto Patron, Garza Jr. and Loretto Kid. Do you think they're using them properly, or do you just think they're just they're kind of not really getting the most out of those guys. It's sometimes, I mean, it's different in different places. I, I think something's not connecting with NXT and um, Sombra or Sian Almas. He's having, really, when I tune in to watch him on TV, he's having really good matches, but they've seemed like they've lost interest in doing more with that, which is, it's kind of, he's had, like, if you look through the TV, he's had pretty good matches, but he seems like he's only being used on to put over a new guy in a takeover special, which is disappointing because I was at the last takeover special, but all the guys that are pushing, he's already lost to, so he couldn't be on the show this one time. But hopefully, I, I'm hoping that the whole he's partnering stuff is some sort of long angle to lead somewhere, but I'm not really, con- I'm concerned that it also might be just a long angle to him being taken off TV and disappearing entirely. I think the other guys with, um, well, obviously, Impact is doing a lot with Alberto, but that's more because Alberto is a former WWE guy than anything yeah. to do with the Mexican. Um, and I'm also interested in those um, Impact AAA shows, house shows we hear about coming up. If Alberto ends up working um, house shows for AAA, that's going to be interesting considering their bad breakup. So I don't know if it's going to actually work out like people think. But for like Laredo and Garza and Metallic, it feels like they were more included to be a token Mexican presence on those shows, a token luchador presence. Yeah. And same thing with Dorado too, and that they really, they don't, especially, I think WWE knows what they have in Metallic and thinks he's, he's spectacular, but he doesn't fit the mold they, they have and they're unwilling to change their mold. With TNA or with Impact, I don't think they really even realize what they have with Rolado and Garza. And they, especially since they're only using these two guys who have never been as a tag team as a tag team, I think especially Laredo would be just awesome if they drew in the X Division. But they're just kind of, they needed two Mexicans for what they were going to do, and they were the first two Mexicans that they could get from the crash. And I don't even know if they're going to be there long-term with everything going with AAA, that eventually, if AAA can, they'll probably want to get that spot themselves. And this will be a couple of weird 
Um, this will be kind of a couple of weird entries on their match database that they were in TNA for a while, but through no fault of their own, they're probably going to get spaced out. Yeah, we'll, we'll see Murder and Monster Clown on Impact at some point. Um, you know, the, yes. the, thing, the, the thing with Metallic and Andrade Phenomenus, for me, it kind of, I mean, it kind of just feels like typical WWE. Uh, I think more so from the 80s when they were getting all the territory uh, names where you kind of had guys who were really good in the territories and then they showed up in WWE and people like, people would be, the only difference is now I think more fans now are a little smarter to what the talent is like outside of WWE. So they're like, they complain a little more. But back then, I remember when they brought in like Junkyard Dog and, you know, people who never saw him in Mid-South, they would say, oh, that guy's, you know, he's a WWE guy. He likes to, you know, he likes to dance. He likes to be a, he likes to clown around. And then you tell them, yeah, but you should have seen him in Mid-South. He was pretty great. Or Terry Taylor being the Red Rooster, you know, he was really good back when he was in, you know, uh, in the territories in Mid-South and Texas and all that. So to me, it kind of feels like that's what they're doing with a lot of these guys, like um, Nakamura and all those guys. They don't really, I think they just have so much talent that they really, but in their, in their mind, the, 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 the promotion is built around the bigger names and it's like everybody else is just there to fill out a, a, a spot or a role. Uh, with, with Impact, I mean, really, I don't even want to watch Impact. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You guys are going to have to tell me what they're doing there because I know Alberto's main eventing, but like you said, it's, he's an ex-WWE guy more than a, a, a luchador nowadays. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, did you, were you at the, at the show that they had um, done versus, um, I forgot the other guy's name, um, Bate? Which show was this? The, the NXT show, I think. Oh, yeah, the, the NXT show, yeah, Tyler Bate and um, what's his name? I'm remembering. Pete, Pete Dunn, Pete Dunn. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. My seats for the show were not very good, so a lot of, like, the like the grabbing and pulling the fingers and some of the smaller stuff didn't come, come through well live, but I watched back again on TV and it held up pretty well. I think yeah. it helped a lot that the crowd was really – was surprisingly really excited for guys that they had not seen before. But I think that says something that's, that the NXT audience is different from the um, general WWE audience where they're more aware of these guys and that, or they will try to find out about these guys after they're introduced to them. I, I think the one great shame is that um, Metallic got put on a 205 brand instead oh, really? of being kept in NXT. Because I think if he went to NXT, I think he would get over pretty well. And at least he could have some, they could do him and Sombra for some stuff. And would and I think people would enjoy that a lot. Yeah. And, you know, it's weird because these guys aren't that tall either. So it's like, you know, it's yeah. not like it's, it's, this, it's this thing where you kind of see guys who are not Mexican and they get an opportunity. And Moscow Dorada Metallic can have great matches with other guys, and it's like they don't really do that. It's they just have them. And, and all all these guys did to build up their match was they had the the TV show, but basically what they had them do was the the one minute interview in the back was they cut up in a few slices. They could do something like that for Grand Metallic with stuff out if they really want to, but that two hundred five live show was just like their normal WB show where everyone has to be able to do skits and stuff to set up matches and. I don't think he, I, I'm sure he's working as English, but I don't think he's ever going to fit that kind of mold. Yeah, I, I don't think he's ever going to be, be able to speak perfect English where it's going to like really matter. Because I mean, yeah. I think I think you if you're going to learn English, you have to learn it at a younger age. As you get older, it gets harder to learn a second language. 
So it's I mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of worry about him. Like I, you know, I don't worry about him because he's getting paid. He's getting a lot paid a lot better than he would in um in Mexico, and I think he's he's probably getting a bit. You know, at some point if if it go if he stays there for a couple of years, it's going to increase the amount of money and interest that there's going to be in him. So I, I think he's, yeah. It- it feels kind of selfish to want to see these guys in other places. It, it is like he's getting paid more. He's probably working far less states. He has much better travel. He's yeah. probably even living in a nicer place. And But it just seems like you're wasting some of these guys' best years by having them do what they're doing. But at the same time, like if if um, Sian, if Samra got let go tomorrow, I'm sure New Japan would be calling him up and trying to get him in the big, in the big spot. And yeah. I'm sure whenever he does leave, he's going to be doing something with Naito and with the rest of his group. And I'm sure, and Mattel could come back and be and throughout tomorrow because he left in such a good way, and he'll be pushed at the top. Maybe be something like Crisco where he's not pushed as hard as he could, but he'll still be in a good spot. Side. So he'll be, still be in a good spot. It's just frustrating to wait. We're kind of like in a waiting period for these guys until they can do something that'll be more rewarding. Yeah, I, I, and like you said, update with the the deal that they have, CML, Ring of Honor, and New Japan. He has like a that's a pretty nice um, deal where they could he could work all those. But yeah, like I said, I think it's I don't mind him being there and and like if he's getting paid well, it, it sucks. You know, as as a fan, it sucks because you want to see him more often and you know how good he is, and you want to see him succeed not just not just you know monetarily. But in the ring, you kind of want to see him progress because I'm sure I'm sure him and Sombra want to be, you know, in WWE like higher on the card. I don't think they're just thinking about, hey, we're getting paid better than we were in Mexico. We want to be higher, but it's like, you know, you can't. You gotta you gotta work. Like, hopefully, they could actually at some point end up in WWE like on Raw or SmackDown. Although I don't even watch those shows. So what? Why do I? What do I care really? Uh, <laughs> at this point, you know, other than I think other than 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 Rob watching it. Do you watch Raw and SmackDown, or you don't watch any of that stuff now? Over the last few months, I've finally stopped watching most of Raw. I will tune in if there's something specific. I will like I still have my DVR, so I can if something yeah. is interesting to happen, I can always go back and watch Raw. But I don't even have SmackDown on there. Uh, the only time I watch it back is when I've known in advance that there's going to be Blu-ray. <laughs> right, okay, it's going to be on it. But otherwise, it's just like there's so much other stuff to watch. There's so much Lucha to watch that yeah. it. I, I'd rather, like, I feel bad about not watching as much in these which as I want to watch, so it's just easier to use that time on something that I'm going to enjoy more. Yeah, and I watched that one Impact episode. I had enough, you know. It's not even going to make my yeah. DVR or anything, really. If it was on Hulu, I wouldn't even watch it. It's, I don't care. I have no interest in it. It's done. It's done. Um, so what 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 do you expect? What 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 What's the upcoming schedule for the Cubs fan? What's going to happen uh, as far as Lucha Libre? Anything you expect to happen in the upcoming days that you're going to be reporting on or any news, any anything you're looking forward to coming up? I, I think that this upcoming Friday is going to be interesting to see if Maximo and Moscow actually show up. Or if they don't, then how the fans react. Because I think the people have put the, the pieces together enough to expect them to be there. And they're going to be – that Mexico City crowd is a lot more demanding than if they were – Running at a at like in Veracruz or someplace that's a smallish city that doesn't get big shows all the time, mm-hmm. so I think they're going to going to be um, letting the chanting and letting the AAA fans know all that AAA people know all day that they're expecting to see these guys. Um, I'm interested to see if any big plan actually develops in CML, 
and I want to see what the reaction is going to be like. Just not even like the positive or negative, but the how much people seem to be paying attention when the Lucha Underground comes back next week. Yeah, I mean, I know the other news that's going to come up is um the Lucha Meme shows. How excited are you about those? I I am. I think I might have already got myself in trouble in the last August thing. <laughs> I, I think the lineups looking look good. I'm just uh-huh. like, but my enthusiasm level for these shows has gone down as it's gone longer without us being able to see these shows. I think yeah. I'd really, I'd be thrilled if, I'd be thrilled and I'd be writing a lot more about like the Arena Pablo show if we could actually see it, but that's something that's just going to happen and that maybe I'll be able to see someone taking some handhelds and, or maybe see some stuff on Mas Lutra, but not the complete show. It's, it's, yeah, I know, I know they're putting it's up good to know that people are trying, but until we get to that point, it's like, I'm not I don't want it to be. I'm not at the point where I'm like, okay, well they're working on it, they'll get it soon. It's like if it, it feels like we're at the point that if they don't have it, I should be focusing on other stuff and stop holding my breath on these things. Yeah, I know they put up the MDA Lucha memes. The I think it was the Monterey show. The some of them stuff, although they haven't posted the one match I want to watch, Ray Scorpion versus Kaifan, but uh, the rest yeah. of the stuff looks interesting. Uh, I know DTU hasn't done an iPay-per-view since that one show they did, which kind of tells me that they didn't do too well. But I think the problem with, like, you do one and you expect that one to do well, this is like, I don't think they realize that they have to, like, continue to do it to, like, you know, develop some sort of progression where they'll get a following. You know, there's going to be people that are going to say, hey, I want to watch this show now. Because, like, they're bringing in, in June, they're bringing in all those American guys, um, Desmond uh, Xavier and a few other, Trey Miguel and a couple of other, Although I don't really know who those guys are, but I know they're going to be debuting in uh, PWG. I think once they debut in PWG, people are going to be like, hey, these guys are good. Why don't you guys – and these guys won't have aired pay-per-views or made it available. I kind of worry about what they're – I mean, you can't just do one and then stop. I think that's kind of what it, – it, 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 I think that more than anything else scares away fans from, like, continuing to purchase your product because – I mean, it happened with AAA with um, Triple Mania and all that stuff because they, they did such a piss-poor job on their shows that people were just like, we're not going to order it. But you got to keep doing it. And I think that them just quitting on doing it kind of makes people lose, makes people think, if you're not interested, I'm not interested. And I think that's what's going on with a lot of these guys. Like, I kind of wish they would just continue on rather than tell us the, the same story of, oh, we're going to do it at some point. I know Danny's excuse is that he's getting married, and I understand that, but it's like you got to kind of like start speeding your stuff up. It's kind of disappointing. It's like 2017, I was so excited after the DTU show that they were going to do more of that stuff, and it's like we're not really seeing that. And, you know, the only other – and then with Elite, do you think Elite's going to come back, or is that pretty much dead? I, I think it's dead. I, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, in some other form that the people who are left try to get, go to somebody else and try to get something started just because they have nothing to do. Yeah. Or they don't have just to create something to do, or something that they can own that they can go around promoting. Since maybe even the elite name they can't use, but I, I don't think we'll see that TV show. But on the indie stuff, I think even more than, I mean, e- even if the technological tech issues and putting video up and trying to figure out how to do it without piracy is an issue, there needs to be a greater emphasis on instead of just promoting a show, promoting a whole promotion, having a whole cycle of things going on. What we yeah. get with DTU and Memmies and other and Jaro and other things is they promote one show. They do a good job of getting that lineup out there, but 
but then we never hear what happens on the show. We don't hear angles built up. We don't give reasons to keep caring. There's there's usually not any promos or something. I mean, maybe filming things, doing announcing, editing, all that stuff takes time. But putting up a simple results post and saying and some photos about what happened to your last show and how this is going to build to your new show should not be that hard. And I think outside of the of Tina Blas' full promotion, who sounds trustfully says about everything, none of the other indie promotions really do that on a consistent basis. DT yeah. will have, like, we'll, we'll start to do, like, two match results from a show, but then they won't put the main event or they won't know what ha- the show actually ended. And the other shows, they, they're out there, they happen, but they don't promote how the show was a great success and you'll be missing out if you're not there next time after it happens. It's just a lot of similar events and nothing really connecting them to get people hyped for the next one. Yeah, I think of the of the 100 plus posters we find every week. What? How many results do we usually get? Like maybe like 20, 20 show results. If, if you take out the CML stuff, I mean, it may be five. Maybe it's not that much. I mean, I've yeah. started to dig around on Facebook and stuff, and you will find you'll find like small promotions that will post even just live video of their matches, but they won't ever write what happened in their matches. It's just it's. Too many promotions only seem like they exist on the day of the show. And yeah. to really grow, they need to be existing more than that, more full-time. They need to be, have something out there on a regular basis to make sure people care about them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that's – and, you know, I think that's an, an, an old-school – and, you know, you, we could even say it's an old-school mentality, but at, I think at least the one benefit that a, a lot of those promotions had back then was that there was a little more uh, – with the magazines, and even then, I don't think they they really promote. They really didn't go out of their way to like send results or stuff like that. You you kind of have to like more or less figure it out as you go along, reading the, the the articles and depend on other reporters and stuff like that. It's not it's not it, it would make the everyone's life so much easier if they did it themselves. And I like how a lot of the guys get upset when you get the results wrong. Like they'll tell you, "Hey, you got that wrong," and it's like you have some people who do that, and then there's a couple of promoters that I know that. When I'll tell them who won the match, like I'll ask them who won the match, and they're like, "Yeah, you write out, write down whatever you want. We're okay with it. We don't care," you know. Which I think I'd rather get that than you know, like somebody who's gonna get upset over me guessing who won a match that you promoted and you're not telling me who won the match in the first place. But you know, like you said, it's 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 you kind of wish I kind of wish that was one of those things that we were getting more of. But I don't know. It's I guess we got. We're never going to get that from lucha promoters or lucha libre in general. It's, it's well, you know, be... I, I just with all the stuff that's out there, and I, I followed the theory on the on the podcast is that all it takes really is that someone decides that they're going to do it like no one else does it and do all the stuff that U.S. people do, and if they find success, then maybe everyone else copies them. But it's going to take the one person who tries to do it more complete than everyone else. And since everyone seems like they copy themselves, oh. They, one person just really going out the norm. Yeah, and you know, poor triple, poor triple A, uh, poor Oscar with Triple um, A's um, lineup changes. He's kind of made a couple of mistakes on his um, on his results when he posted results. I feel yeah. bad when I mention it, but it's like, so I can't understand them half the time. It's like I have to check your results to make sure his uh, his are correct. Yeah, it's it's tough to keep track of. I wonder. I, I'm sure at some point we hear a story about something. I, I, Van Fierro kind of hinted at it, that something didn't happen that was supposed to happen or so, some match was missed completely because there's so much to keep track of. I'm sure they're having trouble doing it all themselves. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, maybe we're going to have to ask Vampiro to get, tell us the inside. Um, how, maybe Vampiro can give us the results and all that as part of his. Yeah, maybe, um, you know, I, I would subscribe to the Vampiro newsletter because it seems like he has the scoops. So. Yes. <laughs> I wish I wish he didn't delete that one that one uh, message where he was trashing everybody that how he was yeah. he was the one creating the in charge and he's been trying to keep AAA alive and it's like oh come on man um, so any anything you'd like to plug? Um, I always, I always forget this. Yeah, I, I have the Lucha Box Twitter and and website and the Lucha Wiki, which I don't do enough to update, and I hear about that occasionally, but I'm trying to do my best. And then I'm sure I'm going to draw a couple of Lucha Underground stuff next, post next week about catching up where we are in the storylines and trying to catch up where we are with the Netflix and people leaving and all that stuff, so if, you haven't, if you haven't been paying attention for five months. And then I think I have a couple other things I'm working on, but Nothing that close at this point. And, and we could also find you on YouTube, also, where you have all the videos. You keep a, you keep us. Uh, I think you I think you brought a little organization into the Lucha Libre community more than anybody else. Just because I think when, before you, I think all of us kind of like were just. I think we were just as bad as the promoters, or I think we kind of gave up on the promoters early on. Uh, I'm curious, when did you start the? What made you want to start the Lucha blog, really? Uh, because I was trying to get this information on my own. I was trying to I was following the Galvision show at that point and just trying to find out who people were and trying to find keep track of like what was going on was enough work on my by myself that I decided that it'd be useful just to post it on a website so in case anyone else was looking for it. And it did seem like it took a long time for anyone else to look for it, but eventually I got there. Yeah, because I remember you used to do re reviews for like show like WCW and WWF, um, like the B shows, wasn't it? Like the the weekend shows, right? Yeah, I, you know, it, it, it's sad to admit this, and I think I might have to write about it more just to admit it in public. But it's going to be this September would be like the twentieth year, the twentieth anniversary of the first um, WCW Worldwide recap I wrote, which is the first wrestling thing anything I wrote. So huh. I've been doing this a disturbingly long time at this point. How have you been able to escape the between the sheets uh, guest list? I, I think I just don't have the uh, the block of six hours free to be on it yet. So <laughs> at some point they'll be dragging me in, but it just hasn't worked out yet. You know, I, I laugh because I, I tell I think I told one of the guys on uh, I was telling one of the Lucha Talk guys I go I'm pretty sure I haven't done that show because because everybody just assumes I've been watching Lucha and that's all I know about. But it's like I think you, Rob, myself. A couple, I think even Dr. Lucha, we all kind of know a little bit. We kind of watched WCW. We saw the, 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 the good points and the low points and the disastrous points. Same thing with – I don't think I would remember anything from WWE. But it's like I'm just kind of glad that we're kind of like in the – you know, they're, they're, kind of, they're kind of distracted asking the, the other people and not worrying about asking us because otherwise I don't know if I could do a six-hour block of uh, trying to remember everything that happened in 1997 or, or before that. Yeah, it, it's a. It sounds like a very challenging show to do. Yeah, I I heard they do a lot of research for it, so you know it's they do put in the work for that, and they obviously have to to do a six hour podcast. Um, so um, I guess I guess that's all you got. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? 
How no, the I think that's everything. <laughs> the Cubs are hopefully, as you listen to this, hopefully you found out that they've gotten on the space of the low jam that they're currently in and that they yeah. won. It's kind of close right now. But the Cubs are doing better than they were a few weeks ago. So that's yeah, and I know we're kind of helping them out by taking down the Cardinals. We, yeah. I, I saw that 13-inning game last, yes, last night, and it was, first of all, I was very disappointed that Clayton Kershaw didn't win. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if you've watched any of the – any of the highlights or um, games um, with the new um, Dodger home run hitter, Cody Bellinger, he's getting some Chris Bryant comparisons. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty good comparison to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 good. You've been watching any of those – any of the um, basketball or hockey or anything, or you're basically not watching – you're basically just watching Lucha at this point. I I tried to watch some basketball, but the playoffs have been so one-sided and and yeah. not interesting that maybe I'll get into the finals. But I haven't really spent much time on it so far. Yeah, hockey you don't like. Uh, hockey it, I will yeah. if someone tells me they're double overtime then, and I'm doing nothing else or on, but that's about it. Because you, you want to, you won't be doing a hockey special with um, Rob, right? No, no, that's hockey talk is banned from the podcast. <laughs> Just like MMA is banned from my podcast at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, are you planning on going to Mexico again this year, or is is Rob not hasn't has Rob not been able to convince you? Rob is going to keep on talking to me until he convinces. At this point, I have no plans. I don't yeah. make plans more than a month in advance. I think it's a good way to go. Yeah, because I know that when you went to Triple Mania, you went to Triple Mania. I think you you mentioned it like a week prior, didn't you? Like that was something that you didn't really plan that up, that too far ahead, was it? I, I I don't think I had everything locked into late, but I think a lot of times it just it, it just kind of develops late for me. I think to the frustration to other people I may go in with, I, I may make a wait till the last minute to make my mind up on some things. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, hopefully you do end up going and tell, bring us more stories and tell us. Maybe you could interview Black Cherry this time around because you you could like drive in a car with him and and interview him and ask him yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, no. We were actually had a chance to do that once, but I was blanked on questions to ask, and we have it was before we could film things on the camera. So hopefully we'll get another chance of that. We always meet interesting people there, and sometimes yeah. I remember enough Spanish to ask some questions. And most of the time, I just let um, Rob ask questions and then nod as if I understand what's going on. But yeah. um, if I go back, uh, hopefully we'll do more of that. Yeah, because I know you've been you've been around like Titan and a few of, of other luchadors, so. No, no. It, it usually, you're, you're, you don't have a lot of like questions for her. Then prepared, <laughs> no preparation. No, it's just like it's just whoever we run into that day. We we really don't know who we're going to meet sometimes. So yeah, it's just, and you don't. I don't you, you, you don't go with the plan of interview them, right? No, we just I just go with the plan. Hopefully, show up in one piece, and then okay. whoever whoever <laughs> happens to be around, we're usually like the last people among the last people to leave. Those people, whoever's sticking around, we can ask questions too, but we don't really have usually detailed plans beyond then. It's I think that's the I think that's the lucha way of like doing interviews because I think we we kind of just go in and don't really ask the guys, but like towards the end, like if somebody's there, we'll ask them, hey, can we interview? Although we do it before, but it's not something that we plan that well in advance. Like I don't really like have notes and stuff to interview guys. It's it's more of a like. Because, you know, you always figure they're going to reject you or something. But we've been pretty fortunate. I think other than Johnny Mundo and uh, Cholo de Tijuana, everybody else has been pretty uh, easy to get. Uh, I think Mundo Mundo was, Mundo was told us he has uh, 
he could be a good or bad person. <laughs> so we've we've dealt with him, the good side of him, and we've dealt with the bad side of him. So, but he's 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 an all right guy. I don't have a problem with him. But everybody else, I mean, Nero Casas, uh, Negro Navarro, everybody else has been really great. Um, traumas, uh, I know trauma. We'll, we usually end up talking before we do the interview, so. I did ask him about that stuff that um the legal stuff that we were talking that um we, that usually gets brought up when when everybody's talking about um luchadors and legal problems and um I th- I think that disappeared rather quickly but yeah you know all the guys are really easy to deal with I I kind of noticed the Mexicans are easier to talk to than the American guys for some reason like I think American guys aren't as um maybe it's cuz they kind of expect you to like contact them and let them know ahead of time for an interview, whereas Mexicans, I think in Mexico, they're kind of used to like just having guys show up and ask them, "Hey, can I interview you for, for Mas Lucha or for Boxy Lucha?" So I think they might. But yeah, be there's, there's there's so many random Facebook sites that do interviews and do Lucha covers now that I think they're just used to random people coming up and asking them to do so. And yeah. They hope that the that the person knows what they're talking about. But for me, what I've noticed is that if I introduce myself as myself, people know who I am. But if mm-hmm. I mention the YouTube channel then they know who I am, and then they're very happy to see me when their match is up there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, like with me, they don't know who I am at all. Like, like I show up, and then, like, after, because I, I don't have the, your, your, your website and your, I think your YouTube channel, more than anything, is, like, a, a lot more popular than, than anything we have. So it's, like, it's usually them either just recognizing us from, uh, from Kurt's Facebook page, really. I think Kurt's Facebook page probably gets us more recognition than anything else because uh, he posts a lot of his pictures, like him doing funny faces. So I think a lot of the guys know it, but most of the time it's because it's like I know like Superboy or somebody like that, and as 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 you know one or two guys, they start telling these guys, yeah, they'll talk. You, you could talk to them. They won't. They're they're cool or whatever. So we've we've gone through that. It's been a lot easier to do lately than I I, I was expecting more of a resistance from guys. Like I was expecting like like even like Mano Negra being a, a veteran wrestler or a luchador and. Being older, I kind of expect, expected him to be like a little harder to deal with, and the guy was great. Like as I said in the story, I mean, he came out and like during intermission and looked for us. Except we were doing another interview, and I mean that that kind of shows you how these guys are so much more professional about how they deal with the media, no matter how big or small it is. Whereas American guys, it's like, yeah, I got my friends here. I'm gonna just blow these guys off. It doesn't matter. And it's like, yeah, but it's it's interesting. It's 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 a fun. Like I told um, Nero Casas when he asked me what we're what we've been up to, it's like, you know, you tell him, yeah, you know, we go to these lucha shows, we try to get interviews, we get some. Worst case, we have a story to tell on the podcast. You know, that's cool. Yeah. So I should let you go now, so you could do other things. And I think you're gonna watch the Cubs right now. Are they still playing right now, or? Yeah, they're still alive at this yeah, point. So so, I'll probably watch them. Yeah. So I'll let you go. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for doing the podcast. Uh, I, I hopefully you could do another one. Uh, are you up for doing another podcast? Sure, of course. You, you haven't you gotten tired you haven't gotten tired of doing this podcast yet? No, <laughs> I only have to do a podcast every once every two months. So that's I think that's the rule. I know you're, you're, one. I noticed that you guys did a podcast this week. I was like, oh no, you did a podcast, but it's like I understood because it was a a pretty big story that happened. It's something very uncommon that happened. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so thanks again for doing the podcast, Cubs. Um, as usual, people can find you on the luchablog.com. They could find all of us on, on Twitter, uh, social media, just go luchaworld.com. You can find links on there for not just my site, your site, 
all our Facebook pages, all our Twitter accounts. I think I even have Kurt's Facebook page. I think next podcast will be a Lucha Classica podcast with Dr. Lucha. I think we're doing the AAA year one. We were going to do year one, but we're going to do the first month of it because I just realized while doing research on AAA, the first month is insane. I think the first six months would have driven us crazy, but the first month would have been is, is so interesting that I think we could do a show on that. So um, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.